Great. Thank you. Good morning. Did you all sleep well? Some of you. The rest of you uh, didn't, but I hope you're feeling great now. It's great to be here. Thank you once again for having us. It's just such a privilege to be with you in Edinburgh. Uh, many of you will know Tom and Tineke who came with uh, me from The Hague. Uh, actually, they arrived before me, but many of you won't know uh, Peter Jan and Elsbeth. Where are you? If you guys could stand up quickly. This is a fantastic couple. Super. Peter Jan has been interning with us in Redeemer uh, for the last eight months, nine months, and he's quickly made himself completely indispensable. He's a wonderful man of God, and uh, it's just such a, a wonderful thing that he's part of the team that's happening uh, in Redeemer. And Elsbeth is a wonderful woman of God. She's just so gifted. She's uh, creative and exuberant and full of the life of God. So if you've never met them, please do go and say hello over these couple of days. Well, this morning we are starting really on the, the teaching of what this conference is all about, which is the missional church. And I think it's a brilliant name for a conference. I'm so excited about what God's going to be saying these couple of days. And my idea for this first session is to paint a big picture that the missional church fits into. Dave and I are going to kind of be tag teaming as he takes over in the next session. And I trust that this morning God's going to do something in our hearts which will really shape the way that we think about God and the way we think about church and the way we think about ourselves within that story. So we're going to start really with a story this morning, and it's the wonderful story of God, because the story of the missional church and what it is and what it looks like is rooted in the story of a missional God. And I want us, although many of us will have been Christians maybe for years and even decades, I want us freshly grabbing hold of the story of God and what that story is all about, because we root our understanding about church in our understanding of the story of God. So the great meta-narrative of history is the story of God, that God loves story. The reason why we love stories is because there's something about story which connects us to who God is. God loves stories. The story of history, the meta-narrative of history is really the big story of God. History is His story. It's, it's the wonderful unfolding of the will of God. God through all things at all time. It's the story that all people everywhere in all of history are a part of. It's the story where God is sovereign and where He works all things according to His will. And whereas Dan so wonderfully said earlier, it's the story where God builds towards a time where the glory of God's going to cover the whole earth as the waters cover the sea. It's the story of the God that we worship that's over all of history, the God over the material and the immaterial. It's the God who formed the world and everything that's in it out of nothing. We can make some pretty amazing things. Some of you are into the arts and you love making stuff. Maybe you're a carpenter, maybe you're a sculptor, maybe you just love making things. We make things out of things that are already there. God makes things out of nothing. You may think you're pretty impressive at making stuff. Have you ever tried making stuff out of nothing? It's like, okay, something come. It doesn't come. We make stuff out of stuff, but God makes stuff out of nothing and not just stuff. He makes everything and he makes it beautiful. He makes it wonderful. He looks at stuff and goes, that is good. I love one of the throwaway verses of Genesis. It says, he also made the stars. 
I was like, well, that's pretty impressive. The European Space Agency, which is based in The Hague, hence the shameless advertising of The Hague, the European Space Agency recommend, recommends, they reckon, as you do, how many stars there are in the universe. It's about 10 to the power of 23 stars in the universe, and God also made them. This is like throwaway comment, he also made them. In another place it says, he calls the starry host out one by one and name, calls them each by name. That's the God that we worship. Come, Tony, Mary. Calls them 10 to the 23, gives them all names. How incredible is that? I mean, we have the Hubble telescope, and, and it gives us these incredible pictures of space. And I can imagine God going, it's amazing, isn't it? Build a bigger telescope. And we build a bigger one. It's like, wow. And he goes, it's incredible. Just wait till you can see further. We worship a God who is over all of these things, who creates all of these things for His glory. We worship a God that's really got a huge plan. The story of God is a, the story of a perfectly self-sufficient and self-satisfied God who created us not out, not out of need or lack, but out of an overflow of incredible love. It's the love that characterizes his very nature. God is relational in his very nature because God is relationship. God is love. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from eternity past have been in this wonderful, some theologians describe it as a dance between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Perfect love, perfect relationship. Creating people was not because God was lonely. It's because God wanted to share that love. That love overflowed from the Trinity, and he creates us in love. It's incredible. The story of God is the God who loves us and creates us in His image. The story of God is about a God who knew us before we were born and in love formed us in our mother's wombs. Zephaniah talks about God delighting over us, rejoicing over us with singing. Have you, those of you that are arty, have you ever kind of rejoiced over what you're making? Oh, I'm just, I'm just so happy as I paint this picture. I'm so, I, it gives me so much joy as I play this music, as I create something. God rejoices over you. He, he, he celebrates over you. He sings over you. Can you imagine as we begin to be able to see more and more what happens in the womb as a baby is formed and it's beautiful, it's incredible. Imagine the loving hands of God over this little life that's being formed, singing over over you, rejoicing over you. It's not in the Bible, but it's not contrary to the Bible. The idea that God, uh, as you're born, goes, hey, heaven, heaven, keep quiet, shh, angels, shh, listen. And the first cry that you make as you come out of your mother's womb, and God goes, wah, and heaven goes, wah, the plan's begun. Look at him, isn't she beautiful? Look at him, oh, look at her, she is wonderful. If you saw the London Olympics, you may have seen Chad LaClosse winning the uh, uh, swimming against Michael Phelps, the one, one race that he won. And the BBC like, let's, let's interview people here. Here's a good-looking young guy. This must be a good story. So they find, hey, dad's here. Chad's dad is here. Dad, could you come into the studio? And so this is live. His son's just won a gold medal. They think, let's interview the dad. I wonder what they thought afterwards. Because the dad comes in and, oh, Mr. LaClosse, you must be very happy with Chad's performance. Oh, it's amazing! It's like the sound guy's going, 
what's going on? He's going, oh, he's wonderful. Look at him. And then like Chad's walking past in the distance there in the chair. Look at him. Look, he's beautiful. Look at him. He's wonderful. It's just like the most classic moment of the Olympics as this father rejoices over his son. And God rejoices over us. The God who also made the stars rejoices over you. And he rejoices over me. You may look at yourself and think, I don't know if there's that much to rejoice about. You know, God rejoices over you. God rejoices over you. God loves you. The story of God is about a God who, though he also created the stars, his greatest delight, his greatest joy is in the work of his hands as he creates us. It's the story of a God who loves us perfectly before we could do anything to impress him. That's pretty good. Because for so many of us, love is about conditional. If I, if I do this, then I will receive love back. If I earn this, if I'm able to do this, if I can measure up, then I'll be okay because I'll be loved and accepted. Before you do anything, good or bad, the Father delights in you and He loves you. Charles Spurgeon, a real hero of mine, said, I know that God chose me because I never would have chosen him in and of myself. And I know he chose me before I was born because he would never have chosen me afterwards. And it's this wonderful idea that, that God chooses to delight in us. He doesn't go, well, I'm going to see how this little guy does, and then I'm going to see whether he's worthy of my love. No, as the little guy lets out a cry, God goes, listen up. And the angels go, wow, the plan's begun. Look at him. He's beautiful. And I can imagine some of the angels go, yeah, listen, God, I think he's going to do some pretty rotten stuff in the future. And God goes, I know, but I've got a plan for that. And God rejoices over us. Paul, writing to the Ephesians, says, in love he predestined us for adoption into sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he's freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory." And when we believe, when we put our hope in this Jesus, in this God who predestines us, when we do that, we're marked with Him, uh, marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. This is the God whose story we're a part of. This is the story of God. And the story of God, the glory of God, the, the love of God is most clearly seen in the person of Jesus. They say, what is the glory of God about? What is the person of God? What is the love of God all about? It's most clearly seen in Jesus. As we see Jesus, we see all of these things wrapped up in one person. His death, his life, his death, his resurrection has rescued sinners and rebels like you and me. This is the story of God. 
This is where we see it most clearly in this incredible God, this incredible God wrapped up in the person of Jesus who didn't stand at a distance, go, I'm going to see how you do and see whether you're worthy of me. But this God who came running to us in the person of Jesus, who lived a perfect life, but then who carried our sin on himself when he died on the cross and who conquered sin and death in raising uh, from the dead. This is the wonderful story of God. And yet when we encounter this story in and of ourselves, we don't go, yes, yes, we go, no, no. And, and, and some of us go, no, I've got a better idea, and this is my idea. And some of us go, no, I don't have a better idea, but I, to be honest, I couldn't care less. This is most people in Holland. Most people in Holland are not rampant atheists. There are a lot of atheists. Most people are, I don't know and I don't care. And I think that's probably the same in Scotland. Because we hear a lot from the new atheists and they make a lot of noise, but actually it's a very small percentage of people. Because most people are not, there is definitely no God. Most people are, I don't know, but to be honest, I don't care. And that's like all of us. Instead of choosing to be part of this great story, instead of choosing to be a part of God's great plan in coming to know him, in and of ourselves we say, God schmod, no thank you, I'm on my own mission here. And we choose to reject God. William Ernest Henley, the English poet, wrote an incredible poem called Invictus, which sums up this whole idea. And the poem starts off like this, I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul finishes the poem like this, I am the master of my fate, I am the captain of my soul. This is us in and of ourselves. God, no God, don't care, no thanks, I'm going my own way. So we don't choose to be part of God's story, but God chooses us. We choose to be separated from God rather than to be connected to God. We choose a, an eternity away from God rather than a relationship with God. But God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not die, would not face the inevitable consequences of our own decisions, would not die, but have eternal life. We never move past this amazing truth as Christians. The story of God is never something like, okay, it's there when you become a Christian. Yeah, Jesus died for you and it's wonderful. Oh, brilliant, that's wonderful. Okay, now I live my life as a Christian. No, the story of God, we never move past. We never move through it. We just move deeper into it. The gospel is not just the door to the Christian life. It's the door and the corridor. It's not just the milk of mm, mm, new believer, little baby, this is wonderful. It's the milk and the stake. It's like what we have for the rest of our life. And if we don't keep on understanding the story of God through Jesus, we, we grow weary, we grow tired, we grow off where God has called us to go. This wonderful story is something we grow deeper into and becomes more amazing. God, that you would save me and love me that it, despite my sin and even my ongoing mistakes. God, you'd be so gracious. Sometimes I'm so humbled being around people that have walked with God for much, much longer than me, and, and seeing these guys are so godly compared to me. I mean, she's just so, like, full of the love of God, so much more than me, and yet when I see her pray, that there's like an amazingness at the love of God that she displays, which I just don't know I have, but she's so much better than me. Here's the thing, godliness leads us to greater joy in what God has done for us, greater amazement at the incredible story of God. 
that God would be a missionary to us. The mission or church is rooted in the idea of the story of a mission or God that came running to us even while we were running away from him. God is a missionary God. This is his nature. He desires that none should perish, and his plan is therefore to reconcile sinners like you and me to himself. This is the great story of God, that all things, at all times, in all ways, he would be conforming things according to his will for his glory, ultimately, yes, but why? To reconcile people to him, people like you and me. This is the story of God. I wonder, what's your story? What's your story? As I've been aware of this church from a distance for some years and, and now being a little bit closer yesterday and today, I think this church is full of incredibly high achievers. I think this church is full of people with great ambition to do amazing things. I think this church is full of people who will have book deals that are pretty impressive and will have great success in business and achieve great things in academia. I think there'll be people in this church who receive ag admiration and recognition from many others, perhaps even fame. But each of these things, these things that we can so define our stories around, are here today and gone tomorrow. They're just so quickly fleeting. And the greatest fame, the greatest recognition, the, the greatest uh, amount of money or business success, the greatest uh, achievement in academia, is really much more fleeting than we could ever realize. And we can root our stories in these things, or we can root our stories in the great story of God. Some of us are going, yeah, listen, I can understand achievement when it's selfish, uh, potentially, but what about achievement when it's for the good of others? What about achievement and success that benefits others? You see, every good endeavor, and I, I, just to say, I think this is many of us here, you're ambitious for great things, and it's not primarily a selfish ambition. It's an ambition to make a difference. So how does that work out? That's my story. I, I want to do something that really makes a difference. I want to do something that benefits others. How does that story fit in? Every good endeavor and every good achievement, every medical breakthrough, every bit of poverty alleviation, every bit of justice that comes where there's been injustice and oppression, everything that improves the lives of people, every great endeavor that we can do in our lives ultimately does this. It opens the window to heaven, and it points towards an eternal God. You see, every good endeavor doesn't point ultimately to the person who does it, the man or woman sitting here this morning that's got dreams of, I just know I'm called to do great things. Every good endeavor points towards the one who is eternal, the one who is uh, om on omnipotent, the one who lasts forever, the one who holds all things in his hands, the one who does not share his praise or his glory with anyone else. And so ambition and, and a desire to do great things, like I just know many of you in this church are all about, that's not a bad thing. I'm not knocking these things at all. In fact, quite the opposite. I would want you to have great ambition as a God follower. But our little stories, however big they are, are ultimately little stories compared to God's great story. Because one day in heaven, they will not be rejoicing over you. The, the angels are not going to be like, 
Chris is here. Woo Guys, let's start our Chris song. Okay. Hey, Chris, Chris, Chris. Chris. <laughs> there's just, there's only going to be, Dave, Dave's already practicing that song. He's going to be there. <laughs> He's going to be there a long time before me. <laughs> God cares so much about His glory, and He cares so much about you, He's not wanting to share His glory with you. One day in heaven, there will be a name that's lifted up above all other names. It's going to be the name of Jesus. One day, there's going to be all things made right, and the glory's going to go to Jesus. And wonderfully, we get to play a part of that now through dreams, things God's put in you. I just, I want to make a difference. Brilliant. You make a difference as part of God's glory. And, and it's a window into the glory of God. Our stories find their best place when we find our stories rooted in God's story and we don't try and do our own thing. So you've got some ideas to do some impressive things. Maybe you've done some impressive things already. Well done. Have you conquered sin? Have you beaten death? Can you breathe life into a man and make that dead man live? Do you command planets, put them on their trajectories? What about something really simple? Can you tell me what's going to happen tomorrow? And all of a sudden, when we realize God's big story, we realize, hey, my, my big story is a blip on the radar. It's like the, the, the timeline of history, there's Chris, beep, boom, and it's gone. It's like, okay, God, that was a pretty impressive beep, you know, that was just, it's just a beep. But we get wrapped up into God's big story, the story of God, the story of his love, the story that's wrapped up in the person of Jesus. And it's this story that must most clearly define what it means to live as a Christian, and it's this story that must most clearly define what it is to be church. So it's hugely, hugely important. And this is where we get really into uh, this the subject of this conference and where Dave will be expanding on much better later. But this message, the message and the story of God, has to be that which is most important about what it means to be the people of God or the church together. So let's just think a little bit about this idea of community and the glory of God and the presence of God, the power of God, the story of God. In the Old Testament, we see that the glory of God displayed a lot over individuals. We see individuals doing amazing things to the glory of God. We see the Holy Spirit coming on men and women and them saying great things and doing great things. Think of Abraham, think of Moses, think of David, think of Elijah, think of the two that snuck into the New Testament and yet were like these Old Testament things, John the Baptist or, or Mary or Elizabeth, three, that, that the Holy Spirit came on and they either did amazing things or they said wonderful things. And, and the glory of God was wonderfully seen over individuals. It was also seen over the people of God, the, the Israelites. But whatever we see in the Old Testament is really dim reflections of that which was going to be much greater, which was coming later. I grew up in Botswana, and uh, where we lived, we lived out in the country. We didn't have a, any electricity. And so uh, we had a TV, amazingly enough, because my brother was a techno guy, but our TV was a black and white TV that was about this size, and it ran off a car battery. 
But you know what? It was incredible. It was so cool. It's like, ah, oh, there's moving pictures. Unbelievable. It was incredible. So it's like, this is amazing. And we'd sit in my brother's bedroom and we would watch this little black and white TV. And when the battery went dead, we would have to reverse the car, drive the car down this little narrow thing between the side of the house and the wall. And we'd park it outside my brother's window and we'd put wires from the car battery in and, and the engine would be going. And so you'd like have this dull rumble of the car like three meters away while we're watching TV. But you know, it was amazing. But if I think now, like little black and white TV, which was so incredible, and now you've got like widescreen, curved screen, triple HD, super high, wonderful, amazing TVs. I think the difference is, is pretty massive. And the Old Testament is we see God doing these incredible things, displaying His glory through men and women who put their trust in Him, who received the Holy Spirit. It's like, that's amazing, God. That's incredible. I mean, leading through the Israelites, through the Red Sea, and there's fire, and there's cloud, and there's... God, this is awesome. And yet when we see God's plan looking forward, that which was just hinted at in the Old Testament and now becoming fully made known in the church in the New Testament, it's like the difference between the black and white TV, which was impressive, but it's like, oh, th this is, wow. Tomorrow we celebrate Pentecost. And tomorrow is the celebration of the Spirit being poured out over the people of God, something that had been promised through the Old Testament right through the beginning. Remember Moses. Moses, when the, when the Spirit came and people began to prophesy, and then there were two prophets who weren't there, and, and guys were jealous for Moses and say, hey, Moses, Moses, those two guys are prophesying. Why Should we go and stop them, Moses? They shouldn't be doing that. And Moses, just the most humble man that ever lived, said, I wish that everyone would prophesy. I wish everyone would receive the Spirit. That what had been promised since the earliest times were over and over again looking forward to this moment, looking forward to this moment. And then Jesus rocks up. It's so wonderful. We heard it already this morning. Imagine having Jesus with you. I mean, that's impressive. That's amazing. Jesus, right here. I can see him. I can touch him. And yet even Jesus himself says, it's better for you that I go to the Father. Why? So that you will receive the Holy Spirit. And that the Holy Spirit poured out on Pentecost the people of God suddenly are full of the presence of God. And the Holy Spirit, which, which is the story of God, which is the seal of God, the Holy Spirit comes on a people and everything changes. The Holy Spirit fills the church. The church becomes the dwelling place of God's glory, of God's message, the carrier, the, the, the dwelling place of the wonderful story of God. But dwelling place is perhaps not helpful. We think dwelling is where you stay. That's where you settle. It's not settling. It's dynamic. It's moving. It's kind of like an aid truck going into Where's got a famine at the moment? The north of Kenya. It's like an aid truck going into the north of Kenya with life-giving water in the back. It's like it's going to where the people are so that they can bring that water to people. The church is like this dynamic, moving vehicle, bringing, carrying the great story of God, that God loves you, that God sent His Son to die for you, that God delights over you, that God loves you before you've done anything good or bad. The church becomes the vehicle which carries the incredible love and presence and glory of God. There will come a time when God will come and make all things right when God will wrap up all of human history, 
when God will bring those who've put their trust in Him together with Him for an eternity that's going to be more amazing than I can ever imagine. First time I uh, ever went snowboarding, and I've only been snowboarding like three times, was in Scotland. And I, I loved it. Some of you have been skiing elsewhere, like Scotland, it's not kind of like the skiing capital of the world. I tell you, to me, it was amazing. I felt it was in Glenshee. Have any of you skied in Glenshee? All three of you, praise God. Amazing. <laughs> the first day I went up the highest lift, never, never skied, but it was actually skiing first rather than snowboarding. Never, I'm like a little guy from Africa. I got to the top of the ski lift. There was hardly anyone there. The wind was blowing, there was snow everywhere. I thought, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die. They're gonna find me in a snow drift up here. I'm gonna be dead. This is scary. But I quickly grabbed me. I thought, this is amazing. And, and then first in Glenshee and then in Aviemore, so I, I spent some time in an outdoor center up there and got to ski and snowboard a bit more. Do you know what I thought? I thought there's something about this which is about the glory of God. This is so amazing. This is so beautiful. This is so wonderful. And eternity with God is not about playing harps on clouds. It's about a new creation where everything is made perfect. And that which we love, that which we enjoy now is going to somehow be made perfect then there's going to come a moment when God is going to wrap all things up and bring us into a perfect eternity with him but until then the church now on earth is the carrier of that promise the carrier of the glory of God the carrier of the presence of God the carrier of the story of God until that time and commenting how the church is going to be more and more fully bringing in, or the church is the more full HD color compared to what we saw in the Old Testament, Paul writes again to the Ephesians in chapter 3, his, God's intent, was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Is this wonderful story of God where even from the very first moment when Adam and Eve sinned, God knows they're going to do that and he kicks into this plan that is building, 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 building. Prophets looking forward to it. Building, building. Amazing stuff happening in the way. But what's it building towards? It's building towards the church. It's building towards Jesus who forms his body out of people like you and I. Jesus who makes all things well, and until that time when he fully consummates all of history, he works with people like us, making us carriers of his story and his glory. I love this. Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. Let me ask you a question, King's Church, Edinburgh. Imagine if the manifold wisdom of God, the great story of God in all its wonderful color and and uh, definition. Imagine the manifold wisdom of God was so displayed in and through you as a church that it was very difficult for people in Edinburgh to go to hell because the manifold wisdom of God was the displayed in this church. Now we know the promise is for the church global, yes, but the church global meets in the church local and you're part of the church local. In fact, you are a local church. Imagine the manifold wisdom of God, the manifold story of God was so on display in and through you that it, is ve it would be very difficult for people in Edinburgh to go to hell because there was such a compelling picture of the love of God through you. That's God's desire for us as churches. The central calling on every church in every culture 
at every time is that it would be part of carrying God's great story of reconciling people like you and me to Him. This is the central part of what it means to be a church, to glorify God through being part of His story of reconciling men and women to Him. The church is a fantastic place for belonging and finding community. It's a, it's a brilliant, amazing vehicle for serving the poor. But all of these things flow out of and should be subordinate to the church being the place where the mission of God is carried out. You see, when we serve above mission, that serving ultimately becomes empty. It's so good to serve, so good to be good news to the poor, but we're good news to the world primarily how? By being reconciled to God. Now, these things work hand in hand, and sometimes you feed a person before you tell them about Jesus, but central to the call of what it means to be Christians is that we're on Christ's mission, working that out through acts of service, through loving, through caring, etc., etc., the Pope in 2013, one of the first things publicly that was written about uh, w what he said after becoming Pope, it was interesting, he said this, without faith in Christ's sacrifice on the cross, the church is nothing more than a pitiful NGO. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Do great things, serve amazingly, but be a church that carries the mission of God primarily, first and foremost. These things flow out of, the, out of being on the mission of God, but they should never replace being on the mission of God. David's going to speak much more in the coming session about the characteristics of a missional church. But here are a couple of little thoughts as I finish off. Liz said it wonderfully last night, a missional church is made up of missional people. Some of you are going, yeah, 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 missional church. <laughs> Dan, Matt, Luke, good luck. <laughs> good luck with that. <laughs> no, missional church is a missional people, and you and I are missional people. That's what God's called us to. So let's just, just before we go into these last couple of points, then we're going to come and pray as we finish off this session. The story of God is the great story of all of history. You and I fit into the story of God. The church is the primary carrier of the story of God. And it's the most wonderful story that should define the church's mission, the story of the rescue plan of God for people like you and I. The church is not someone else. The church is you and I in this local church. And what does that look like for us? So how do we be missional people? And again, these are just a couple of little things that maybe you can think about more or chat about more later in, in small groups but we'll finish off with these. The church is both the church gathered and the church scattered. So I think you're doing pretty well already about being the church gathered and being on mission. That some of you, and Sabina, who's here, became a Christian in, uh, in this church. That's amazing, or through the work of this church. So that's, that's wonderful. So the church gathers and it's on mission. Be a place where people become Christians. Be a place where there's an expectancy on your friends can come and meet Jesus. Be a place which is accessible, where people can come, you know, I'm not sure about this God thing, but I feel like I can belong here. I feel like I'm accepted, I'm welcomed, I'm engaged with. This is our longing in, in Redeemer. 
And uh, I'll tell you a couple of stories of people for whom this is the case. Uh, the, we had this amazing American couple with us. They started coming to church, and because they were coming to church every Sunday, and because they were American, I thought they were Christians. But they, <laughs> I had coffee with the guy a couple of months after they started coming. And I said, hey, Brendan, just tell me a bit about yourself. And you guys have been coming to Redeemer. Tell me a bit. And he said, yeah, well, we, we arrived in The Hague a little while ago. His wife was working in the international court system. And he said, I mean, we're not actually Christians. My wife is maybe a little bit further along this road than me, but we just really love being a part of this community. It's really been an, a, a wonderful place. We've met friends and enjoyed it. And we feel like we can engage with what's being said. So I said, oh, brilliant. You guys are so welcome. Just carry on. Go for it. And... Um, a few months later, Brendan said, can we have coffee again? And I said, sure. So we had just some small chat over coffee. And then he, he looked at me and said, um, Chris, we'd like to join the church and start giving money. And so I said, why? Because I thought I don't want there to be a sense of kind of uh, duty. We've been coming along for a little while, and, uh, and now we need to start giving money. And he said, well, the reason is because we just believe what we've been hearing. And, and he said, I, I bought a Bible a little while ago, and now when I'm at work, if I've got a break, I just get out the Bible and I start reading it, and I, and I believe it. And so can we, can we join the church? I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's just such a wonderful joy to baptize Brendan and Sadie. And then work moved them to Luxembourg. I was in contact with them recently. I said, hey, we're coming up to our five-year anniversary. Could you just do a little video for us or, uh, something about what God did in you while you were here. And looking at their little 30-second video, I was like, wow, God, that's wonderful. I love that. Be that kind of church. That's the type of church we want to be. We're not perfect, man. We've got so much to learn in that. But like, thank you, God, for Brendan and Sadie. More people like Brendan and Sadie. More people like that. Be a place that when you gather, there's something so attractive there because people are loved, people are welcomed. We, we meet in this church in the center of the city, and... Um, this young couple from The Hague, they were boyfriend and girlfriend. She was a Christian. He wasn't. But they were having lunch outside our church because there's like a cafe near the entrance. And they're having lunch one Sunday. And the church finished and people came out of Redeemer. And this couple were sitting having lunch watching people come out. And they looked at each other and they said, those people look really happy. <laughs> Maybe we should try and go there next Sunday. And so they did. And, uh, and I, I don't know who was preaching, but on the first Sunday, someone mentioned something about C.S. Lewis. This guy who wasn't a Christian went out and bought a whole lot of C.S. Lewis books, and he read through them, like, but not just kind of mere Christianity, like the Divine Romance or Great Divorce, uh, thinking, well, I'm not sure I would have gone for all of those straight away, but <laughs> great. And just this guy started on a journey. We had the wonderful joy of baptizing him recently. Him and his wife, and now wife married, just such a wonderful joy to see them pursuing God. Be the type of church that when you gather, people go, I want to be among them. I might not believe everything they're talking about, but there's something attractional, there's something so good there. But the church is not simply gathered as a missional community, the church is scattered as a missional community. Because here's the thing, you may spend two hours on a Sunday and maybe an hour and a half midweek with other Christians, but that's a pretty small percentage of your life. Your life is mostly outworked in neighborhoods, in your places of work, in kind of mom with kids and other mom with kids or stay-at-home dad, whatever you are. It's, it's worked out in other contexts. Be on a mission in those contexts. Be a church scattered in those contexts. Liz just so wonderfully shared some stories last night. You know what? 
Stories are not for other people, they're for you. In this next season, and even out of this weekend, say, God, I want some stories. Not so that I can boast. No, it's, not, it's nothing about boasting. There's something about, God, I want, I want this to be a normal part of my life. And you know what? Sometimes it's not going to work, but God will never, ever, ever leave his word void. If you tell someone, even the most simple thing, hey, God loves you, it's not, those words will never be wasted if you bring them with faith and love. And uh, God just does wonderful things here. One of the things that God's been teaching, speaking to me about is courage and stepping out in areas where I don't feel comfortable. But I just know I need to do this more and more in my daily life. I was in a restaurant uh, a while ago with a friend, and I was sitting there, and these two ladies came to sit down next, in, in the table next to ours, and one of them was on crutches and was moving very gingerly. And I just thought, I think I should pray for her. I think I should pray for her, but I was so scared. I was carried on my conversation here, but in the background, these guys were thinking, how am I gonna do this? And I think I should pray for her. I want to pray for her, obviously, but I'm just scared to, scared to do it. And they got up to leave, and I thought, okay, now's my moment. So I, I thought, if I don't do it now, I'm not gonna do it. So I turned around and said, um, in really faltering Dutch, uh, kind of, hey, I'm a, I'm a Christian, and, and I see you're in pain. I'd, I'd love to pray for you. Could I pray for you? And uh, the lady sort of looked a little bit awkward, and then she said, okay, and she sat down again. I thought, oh, don't sit down. You know, it's going to take longer if you sit down. <laughs> it's just going to stay standing, and I'll pray something short. So I was like, okay, let me, just, let me just pray for healing. So I prayed for healing in Jesus' name, and nothing visibly happened. It's important that you begin to say nothing visibly happened because we don't know what does happen, but nothing visibly happened with healing. But as I finished praying, both women had tears in their eyes. And, and the, the woman's friend said, that was a gift from above. And I said, yeah, yeah, God bless you. Please go now. <laughs> But it's, it's not like you need to change and become someone else. It's like, God, in my normal life, make me a missional Christian. Why? Because I'm part of a missional church. Why? Because we have a missional God. It's not someone else's story. It's not that person who's just really good at it. It's like, God, you made me. You know how I am. You know what the what. But courage is something that, God, I want you to give me. Because here's the thing. God loves us stepping out in faith. And, and, and what God does is up to him. But those women, although that woman wasn't healed in front of me, and I really hope she was healed afterwards, they were touched by the love of God. Why? Because not, I just allow God's love to come to them through me. Allow God's love to come to people through you. Wendy Mann, who's one of the, the staff in uh, Bedford, shared a wonderful story I heard last week, where her and her friend um, decided, we're going to go and pray for the sick. And so they walked out into Bedford, and they were praying for uh, sick people. And, and including one woman who was in a wheelchair, thought, we're going to really pray, come, gets raised out of the wheelchair. And they didn't see anything visible happen at all. And she said, oh, she was just so disappointed. And so she thought, I need to process this disappointment with God. You know, this is just a helpful tip here. Process disappointment with God, because otherwise it will stop you and hold you back. So she thought very wisely, I just need to process this disappointment with God. I'm going to go for a walk. So she went for a walk around her park, and as she was walking, she noticed the lady uh, walking her dog, and this lady was obviously in some pain uh, walking gingerly. So she thought, okay, God, I'm going to go and pray for her as well. I'm going to offer to pray for her. So she went to this lady and said, I'd love to 
love to pray for you if you'd like that. I'm, I'm a Christian and I believe God can heal. And this woman said, okay. And so Wendy prayed for her and nothing visibly happened. And so she just finished off the conversation. It wasn't negative. The person hopefully was really touched by the love of God. But as Wendy was walking away and just feeling like, now I have totally failed, she said, as she was thinking that, it's like she could suddenly hear heaven and there was thunderous applause going on. And she said, what God said to her in that moment is what I'm celebrating is your courage and obedience. So important for us. I thought, wow, Wendy, thank you so much. That's really helpful. You see, the fruit of us sharing our faith with people is not actually up to us. We don't save anyone. But what we can do is through acts of love, through acts of courage, serve people. Let's be a church, a mission or church, kings, redeemer, whatever, whatever place God has rooted you in, where we learn to celebrate courage and celebrate stepping out in faith. Being missional actually means um, stepping out and being intentional. Prayers don't get answered that you don't pray. People don't get healed unless you step out and offer to pray for them. People don't become Christians unless they hear about Jesus. And God sovereignly saves some people, but for most of us it's because we hear. And we hear because someone tells us. Let's just come to an end. We've got a few minutes before we're going to break for coffee. I wonder if the worship band could come up.